I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. Welcome to Vernacular Podcast and happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, we've got a couple days before Valentine's Day. We're releasing this episode because we wanted to talk about how does marriage make us more human? Yeah, so this is our special edition Valentine's Day episode. And this follows the previous episode that was about parenting and how parenting helps us be more human. So we're going to talk about marriage. Now, a lot of marriage actually has to do with parenting and how you live in the home together with kids because many married couples, if not most, I'm not sure what the statistics are, but many, if not most, have kids. But we're not going to talk about parenting today because we just talked about that. So we're talking about things that are unique to two married people with or without kids. Right. But I do think we should start off by answering a listener question from that last episode. So we talked about parenting. One of the things that we mentioned in that parenting episode was that it's good for kids to see the imperfections of their parents And it's also good for parents to grow in grace as they learn to forgive and be patient with their kids time and time and time again. But then the listener asked us, Maria, she said, how do the kids then learn to forgive their parents later on in life when they look back and realize, oh, my parents just really messed me up and they were not perfect. How do the kids learn to forgive their parents for those imperfections? I think this is such a good question. And I think I would say two things. One is as we grow and mature and learn that nobody is perfect. We are, I think, more able to recognize that, yes, our parents were imperfect, but we forgive them for that because we recognize that they loved us. Now, that might not be everyone's situation, but I do think that's the first thing I would say. The second thing is that I think being a parent yourself helps you better empathize with what your parents went through and the challenges that all parents face in raising kids. And so you can more clearly see why they made some of the decisions they did, even if you don't make those same decisions for your kids, I think you can at least recognize why the impulse was there. And, you know, if you were wronged by your parents, there's a good likelihood that it wasn't intentional. All right, Maria, thank you for your question. Hopefully that helps answer it. Not that we are perfect at forgiving or parenting or anything like that. On to today's topic, how does marriage or how can marriage make us more human? So we talked about this, Sally, and we came up with a list of some virtues that marriage teaches us. And this is, of course, not an exhaustive or complete list, but this is some of the things that we can talk about today. And we'll we'll sort of take them in order here. But first, I'll give the list. Marriage teaches us service, self-sacrifice, self-denial, patience, mercy, grace, peace, and above all, the queen of virtues, love. And we have not mastered these, just a caveat there. (laughs) No, far, far from it. But I think we, you know, I was actually, I was um, talking to someone today who asked me about um, conflict management in, in, I was actually teaching a conflict management class. And I had a question about conflict management in marriage. And the person who asked this question knew that I was married and was asking how conflict management works in marriage. And um, I chuckled at the question, but then I said, you know, I, I think actually one of the important things to remember is that the conflict in a marriage, the stakes are higher because the relationship is deeper. And, you know, when you're first starting to date somebody, and I think I gave an example about maybe like a disagreement we would have when we were dating. And it might be something like what music we were going to listen to in the car. But then when we're married, the stakes become a lot higher and it becomes about you know, how we're going to shape our family life and the identity that we're going to have as a family and spend our money and how we're going to spend our money. And the stakes are a lot higher, but at the same time with those stakes being a lot higher, we also have a much deeper opportunity for growth and growth together and growth in love and all the virtues that I just mentioned. Um, so I think that's, that's one of the first things to note about marriage is the, the, the risk is there, 
for explosive conflict and all that, but also the opportunity for incredible growth together. All right. So first, self on the on the virtue of self-sacrifice, which we also include service and self-denial, those are all very similar. Marriage helps us to put the other person first. And I think that when we when we allow our relationship to to do this, we look at the other person, we realize, okay, I'm going to choose the worst job, or I'm going to choose the thing that I don't think the other person is going to like, or the task that you don't think that they want to do. Um, or you, you have, you know, one cookie left and you offer it to the other person first. Or I remember one story that someone told was always, they always tried when they got themselves a cup of water to ask their spouse if they wanted a cup of water, just something as simple as that. And you just realize there's this other person here. I can't live anymore in the selfish frame of mind that I did as a single, not necessarily in a negative sense, but just because that was the only person you had to worry about usually. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, so I I love my family growing up, but one of the things that I think about is, is like how, um, this happens in my office too, right? Like the, the last per, you don't want to be the last person to finish up the water cooler because then you're the person who's supposed to replace the water cooler. And something similar happened when I was growing up in my family with replacing the toilet paper roll, right? Like you didn't want to be the last person to use that. And so you would, uh, you would try to limit your, if, if you were down to the bottom of the roll, you try to limit it as much as possible. And, um, you know, me and my siblings would basically be in these ridiculous competitions to see who would actually be the last person to use like the last square of toilet paper. And then that would be the person responsible for doing it. But I think the paradigm shifts in marriage when you really want the good of the other person, because instead of thinking, how can I not be the, the person to last use this little bit? You just think, you know what, I'll just do it. I'll just put it on there, the next roll, and then Sally won't have to. And I think um, you recognize too, that if you see those patterns of thought in yourself of like, oh, I'm going to put off this job for right. the other person to do. Then what what are you doing? I mean, what is right. your relationship? That's just going to torpedo your relationship if and you're always trying to get that person to do the the task you don't want to do. Right. And I'm not perfect in this at all. No, me and neither. Like, I mean, there have definitely t- there have definitely been times when I've like, you know, tried to not be the last person to use the last bit of toilet paper. But I think just the the impulse, the impulse of my love is more there because like you're the person that I've loved the most ever in the whole world. And so, and I I've, feel worse when I try right. to yeah, exactly. push off those jobs. Yeah. Like, you. I'm, like yeah, exactly. Oh, what am I doing? Yeah, same I can't thing. Do like that. I could have taken out the trash and I definitely just pushed <laughs> it down really hard. So, so All yeah, right. I think that's the first one, right? I think the other thing I would say on this self-sacrifice, self-denial service thing is that one of the beautiful things and also sometimes like painful, but beautiful things about marriage is that, Marriage is really like being able to look in a mirror every day and see your greatest faults up close. It's like one of those cosmetic mirrors with a light ring around it that like shows you your face and you think you have a good looking face from far away, but then you look up close and you're like, oh, where did all these wrinkles come from? It's, it's like kind of like that. Instagram selfies without filters. <laughs> right. Yes. All the filters are taken away. And, and I think as you're seeing those faults, your love for the other person makes you want to be better. You, you, you don't want to put up you don't want the other person to have to put up with all your faults, um, I think. And so you you strive to improve and to be more virtuous and to to change your ways for the sake of the other person. Right. And I think those faults lead us to the second thing that we're talking about, which is is how marriage helps people grow in patience and mercy and grace. And I think all of those virtues are are pretty clearly linked. 
patience, of course, being patient with someone when they make the same mistakes or display the same faults time and time again. Um, mercy is is a you know form of um, non justice that basically requires you know extending um, extending laxity to someone when they don't deserve it. Forgiving, them. and then grace is giving above and beyond what what someone deserves, right? And I think marriage is a really good lesson in all of those things too, because you will fail time and time again. And the person that you are living with and doing life with will see you fail time and time again. And they'll see you at your at your best, sure, but they'll also see you at your very worst. And that very worst will not be the only time you're at your very worst. Yeah, we've talked in this show a lot before about how being human means to be imperfect. And marriage is just like this, not just a mirror, but a magnifying glass that just shows you that. I don't think I realized how imperfect I was until I got married. And I thought, oh yeah, I'm a pretty good person. People like me. You are, so, and they do. That's true. <laughs> but but then you're married and you realize even more so how selfish you are and how lacking in the virtues you are. And, and so I think it, it just helps us to be more accepting of imperfection, not only in our own life, but in the life of our spouse. And we realize, okay, I want... I want my spouse to show mercy to me and grace and forgiveness. And I'm going to also extend that to him or her. Right. And that last part I think is important. You know, one of the beautiful things about love and mercy and grace is that these are not zero sum games. Like they're in the, in the universe, there does not need to be some, some equivalent, you know, for every act of mercy, there does not need to be an equivalent act of injustice to balance this out. Um, it is not zero sum. So mercy begets mercy and grace begets grace. And by that, I mean, like Sally just said, when you know what a terrible person you are and you know what a terrible thing you've done um, or the you know, terrible, terrible way in which you just lashed out at your spouse or whatever it is, and then your spouse extends you mercy or grace that you don't deserve for that and they come to you and say, I love you and I'm in this together with you and we can work together to change, etc. Um, all of that makes you more inclined the next time you have an opportunity to extend a grace to your spouse or to someone else, really. I mean, it just makes you a better person all around, more capable of extending grace and more equipped and ready to do so. Yeah, and I think you tend towards one or the other side, depending on your personality. Maybe you have a harder time extending grace to other people or you have a harder time extending grace to yourself. And marriage just challenges you. You you recognize which way you kind of lean and marriage challenges you to to correct that and to to just like your spouse loves you so much that he or she would forgive you for X fault. You have to forgive yourself and move right. on. And just like you and, and, and then you're willing to, to forgive that other person and move on from that and just forget about that because holding grudges is not going to help anybody. Right. Well, speaking of grudges, actually, maybe that leads to our next virtue on the list, which is peace. How does marriage help us cultivate peace, Sally? So by forcing us to communicate, and I'm kind of laughing because I just feel like communication is just something that it's a work in progress all the time, but it's definitely a trial or a challenge that has we've had throughout our mar- our short marriage so far. And and I think you it forces you to communicate positively, but also just period, because sometimes you don't want to talk about something or something. Sometimes you want the other person to read your mind or to just know what's wrong or to be able to interpret what you're saying. And, and it's frustrating when you have to talk when you don't want to, or when the other person doesn't understand what you're trying to communicate. So I think marriage forces us to communicate period and then to, to find the best ways to communicate. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. 
and peace is a supreme virtue. And if we want to have a successful and a happy marriage, then we need peace in that marriage. And so, like you said, we we have to communicate to get there. And so I think communication maybe is not an intrinsic good in and of itself, but obviously when towards the end of making peace or keeping peace, communication is a good thing. Right, because you can obviously communicate poorly. Right, or you can communicate bad things, right? I right. mean, some of the most gifted communication in history were tyrannical despots, right? So right. it's not like an intrinsic good, but in a marriage... Um, it certainly is an instru- it can be an instrumental good towards achieving something like peace or yeah, resolving communicating your disagreements. Love. So it's very important, and I think it's important too to cultivate that desire and that love of peace, which is a very natural thing. But some people may be more conflict prone than others who are more conflict averse. But I think the I think the peace is an intrinsic good that every marriage should strive for. And I think you just said a moment ago, communicating love. This brings us to our last point that yes. sometimes the good of communication is just to tell the other person that you love them. And maybe you don't feel that way all the time. Maybe you are frustrated with the person or you have to get past a prior argument or something and you're not feeling the feeling, the emotion of love, but you still communicate that love day in and day out and you show that love in your actions day in and day out, regardless of how you're feeling. And I think that's something that marriage teaches you is that emotions are important, they're very important, but they aren't everything. I think that's a really important point. And I, I will go out on a limb here and say that too many people want to make too much of emotions in marriage relationships today. And when the emotions seem to be on the decline or waning a bit, they think that the spark is gone. And perhaps that means that now it's time for us to move on. This is, you know, this was nice for a season. We can remain friends, but this marriage thing isn't going to work out. But that's not what marriage is about fundamentally. It's not about, um, you know, how I wake up every morning, Sally, and, and feel about you or how you feel about me. Marriage is about a commitment that we've made to each other for the good of the other. And it's about maintaining that commitment. And of course, when kids are involved, it becomes about them too. But it's not about how we feel. And, and our feelings can be very deceptive on this point. Um, now, I think if you are in a marriage and you are steadfastly committed to one another, but the feelings really aren't there and the feelings are never there, I think that is a good point at which you can seek marriage counseling because you know the, the feelings can be cultivated and, um, and help to grow and encourage to grow in certain ways. And I would definitely encourage you to, to seek help in doing that. But the feelings are not everything. And you can have a marriage that is that is valid and that is an intrinsic good without having any feeling in it at all. I just think that feeling is an important part of the marriage. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You don't have to resign yourself to not feeling the feeling of love if that's happening for a long period of time. You can find ways to, as you said, cultivate it, whether that's going on more date nights right. or finding more things that you have in common or taking time away from the kids or something like that, or taking time away from your jobs or changing your jobs if they're separating you too much. Um, so you don't or starting have to, a podcast together. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to resign yourself to that lack of a feeling of love. Right. But we shouldn't make more of it than it is. Right. Um, and yeah, and just on this final point, I think, you know, love is an important thing to understand. We've talked about the, the emotions not being it, but I, I just want to sort of, emphasize this point that love is not a feeling love is a choice and i think you've said this before sally and i think it's really true you you know in a in a marriage if you want to be successful in your marriage you have to wake up every morning and make a conscious choice to love that person 
maybe there are exceptional marriages out there where every morning the people wake up and are just like so passionately and madly in love with each other. But it's not hard to show that love. I, Sally, hopefully I'm not surprising you here. That, <laughs> I don't think that's our marriage, right? Right. You don't wake up every morning just thinking like, I am passionately and madly and wildly in love with this man <laughs> next to me. Um, we definitely love each other though, but it, it requires a daily commitment and a daily renewal of that commitment that we made to each other on our wedding day, wow, more than six years ago now, um, to love each other every day until death do us part. It's not always an easy thing to do, and that's, I think, important to remember because you shouldn't give up as soon as it gets hard. Marriage is an important thing, and the some of the hardest things in life are hard because they're worth doing or are worth worth doing because they're hard. <laughs> I guess either way that works. But marriage falls in that category. It is worth doing, and it is hard at the same time, and those two are not mutually exclusive. And just the challenge of getting through your marriage and succeeding in it and building a strong foundation for your life together to then share with your kids or outward toward the, toward the community, whatever the case is for you and your spouse, it is worth doing and it is worth doing well. So I encourage you to make that daily commitment. Every morning when you get up, you will love that person and you remind yourself of your commitment to love, to love that person until the day that you die. And if this wasn't encouragement enough for those married couples out there, I want to encourage you to look to Madeline Langle and to Andrew Peterson for some um, literary encouragement. Um, Madeline Langle has this fantastic quote in one of her books um, where she talks about how no long-term marriage is made easily. And there have been times when I've been so angry or so hurt that I thought my love would never recover. And then in the midst of near despair, something has happened beneath the surface. Bright little flashing fish of hope has flicked silver fins and the water is bright. And suddenly I'm returned to a state of love again. Till next time. I've learned that there will always be a next time and that I will submerge in darkness and misery, and, but that I won't stay submerged. And each time, something has been learned under the waters. Something has been gained and a new kind of love has grown. The best I can ask for is that this love, which has been built on countless failures, will continue to grow. I can say no more than that this is a mystery and a gift and that somehow or other, through grace, our failures can be redeemed and blessed. I love that quote. And um, I also point you to this Andrew Peterson song that I also love called Dancing Through the Minefields. He talks about the minefields of their marriage and the struggles song, yeah. that they've had and how even um, even when he, they lose their way, they find each other. And at the end of it all, they they just always remind each other of of the light of their love and the light of Christ and um, their names. And yeah, it's just a beautiful song and I can't do justice to his reading to it. So look it up. Find dancing, it in the show notes. Dancing through the minefield. We have a link to it in the show notes. So check it out there. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, all right. Happy Valentine's Day. Do we have anything else, Sally? I don't think so. That's it. You can find us on Instagram at Vernacular Pod, on Twitter at Vernacular Pod, or Zach and Sally at VernacularPodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening. For Vernacular, I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. Have a great week. 